Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. You know, we both have a real love and concern for, for young adults and a longing to help them navigate this kind of crazy world and faithfully handle scripture. So I think there's there's kind of shared aims and ambitions and like probably we have a we find similar things funny as well. I find Jim very funny. Uh, he's got like a very good sense of humor. Testimony, an encouraging look at how God works in people's lives. Our guest for today, it's Ollie Neal from the Equip Project podcast. I had to practice saying that, so it's a bit of a tongue twister. We did try to get Jim Crooks, but his demands were too high. He was wanting a, a seven-figure sum, and it's outside of our scope, so very pleased to have you, Ollie. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. What was your upbringing like and what, if any, Christian influence did you have? So my upbringing was, I would say, very privileged in that I grew up in a, in a Christian home. So my mom and dad both loved the Lord Jesus. They're both committed Christian believers. And from a very young age, as early as I can remember, we were taught stories about Jesus. We, were, we knew the gospel. We had the, the kind of good news of Jesus shared with us. And that was a real privilege. So I grew up in, in Surrey, county southwest of London. Uh, my mom is from Northern Ireland. My dad is from South Africa. He grew up in a missionary family out in Southern Africa. We never were quite sure what nationality we were. My dad indoctrinated us to support the, the Springboks, the South African rugby team, and then obviously mom's connection to Ireland. And we always felt quite at home in, in the north of Ireland too. So yeah, that's a little kind of introduction to, to, to my background. You've got grandparents who were missionaries in Zambia. So there's a lot of Christian influence that you've, that you've had. Does that add pressure? So that's, a, that's an interesting question. Like, yes, so my dad's father and mother were from Northern Ireland originally. My granddad moved out to Africa, Southern Africa, in his 20s, left on a, on a ship from Belfast and went out there and um, with the intent of sharing the gospel far and wide across Southern Africa and... You know, a number of years later, my, my grandmother then went out to Africa and joined them after they, they got married. Yeah, I mean, having that kind of heritage in my family, I wouldn't say it adds pressure at all, actually. I would say I look back at it and I think I'm so thankful to have a grandmother and grandfather like that who uh, gave up their kind of comfortable lives in, in Northern Ireland to go and serve the Lord. And yeah, what were kind of difficult circumstances at times? You know, they lived in... A mud house which actually fell down <laughs> at one stage my granddad rebuilt it out of grass and life was obviously tougher than it would have been in northern ireland but 
you know, from my perspective, such an amazing legacy. And they were building treasure in heaven. They were you know, seeing people saved and, and coming to faith. So when I think about them, I'm just immensely thankful. And I'm also, like, I didn't know them brilliantly. Uh, they lived out in Africa. I didn't get to visit them that often. And they've both sadly passed away now, but, but are with the Lord. I often think, like, I wonder what my granddad would think of, you know, even the podcast or things like this. I kind of wish I could have talked to him about those. And I've got a, I've got a, on my wall here behind me at home, just sitting behind me as I, as I speak to you here, Dan, I've got a number of kind of frames on the wall and it's a, it's a hymn that was very special to my granddad. And it's called, well, one of the lines is, Oh, for a closer walk with God. And that's what's written on his tomb, on his gravestone out in Southern Africa. So whenever I put this up, I sort of thought, oh, I like that. It's something that almost reminds me of that connection, that link with, with his work out in Africa. And so I'm forever grateful for that legacy and, and heritage. So at what point did you grow up in a Christian home actually have a personal impact on your life? When did you become a Christian? So my, my kind of relationship with the Lord at that moment, I, I would say, would have been around uh, like six or seven years old. I was very young. I don't actually remember the specific day or time. And um, for, for a while, that worried me quite a lot because some people have this real certainty about, you know, the exact place uh, and the exact process, but I, you know, I just remember knowing the gospel pretty much for as long as I've lived, and I, I knew when I was a child I, I trusted in Christ myself, accepted that, that Christ died for me, and yeah, I guess then as I progressed through my teenage years, there were some kind of key moments along along that process where I sort of made choices that, that backed up that initial decision. So when I was fourteen. Identify that moment of, of asking to be baptized as a very significant moment. That obviously that's that's not that doesn't save you, but it it demonstrated outwardly the reality of, of what had gone on in, in my heart. So that was a key moment uh, in my Christian journey as well. Yeah, having that desire is a good reinforcement. The desire to be obedient. Absolutely, Dan. And I also remember during those teenage years, for the first time, having doubts as well. Um, so, so the teenage years were marked with this desire to be obedient and taking steps, but also then simultaneously for the first time thinking, well, is this something I believe just because my parents have, have told me this? And I remember, like, I very, remember very distinctly one night um, we'd gone to visit a, another church. Uh, they were having, it was maybe like a Saturday night service or, or meeting. I remember sitting there and just thinking, like, what if this isn't true? And I, the thought really scared me, actually. I just remember, I remember it with a real sense of, like, darkness. I just remember this really scared me because I'd never had a thought like that before. I'd never thought, what if this isn't true? I'd always just believed it. And that moment was quite shocking to me. And actually, you know, either ignore that and kind of ignore the feeling and, and push it to the back of my mind, or it could have been to, you know, dig deeper into Christian things, explore my faith more, explore Christianity more, seek to dig a bit deeper and uh, thankfully but by god's grace you know I, I did continue to look into these things more but i remember that as a significant moment i think for a lot of teenagers you can have you can have periods of, of doubt especially if you've grown up in a christian home and what i would say is this is part of why we do equip it's so important to to investigate to dig deeper uh, to realize there are answers to to all of our doubts and actually that it's important not just to stagnate and ignore them um, yeah, of course, there are some things we, we have to accept on the basis of, of just faith. So 
but at the same time, there are a lot of answers to a lot of the problems critics raise, is what I'd say. If you're struggling with doubts, is a really good podcast I'd recommend. <laughs> it's called the Equip Project. <laughs> so moving ahead slightly, your education was in London and you were in the world of law. That's right, Dan. So I went to went to school in Surrey. Uh, once I finished up there, I actually took a year out initially, and I worked for a school for a bit. And during that year, I decided I, I wanted to apply to study law. Um, so I went to a university called the London School of Economics, and I studied law for three years. And during that time, to be honest, my the main thing in my thinking was that actually the Christian Union. <laughs> I have to be honest, I, I didn't enjoy law all that much, but I did enjoy being involved in the Christian Union. And um, it was probably the first time I'd met Christians from other denominations and, and really kind of felt friendships with them. I came from sort of an independent evangelical church with a, a brethren heritage. And now I was meeting guys from sort of the Church of England and maybe a Baptist tradition or, or whatever, just a whole variety of backgrounds. Yeah. And it was really fascinating for me to be involved in that. That was a, a really significant time in my in my walk with the Lord because I realized there was a lot I didn't know about Christian things. People had different views to me on certain topics. There were guys who I probably, in my arrogance, thought, they didn't really take you know, evangelism seriously or they didn't really take Bible study seriously. Who knew their Bibles far better than I did, who were far more committed to, to evangelism than I was. And I was very challenged by the kind of attitude of my course mate, of my, of my colleagues at uni and spurred on, I would say, uh, in, in my faith and in my walk with the Lord. So that was a really significant time. And the Lord was, was very good and very faithful and um, we had amazing evangelistic opportunities, some hard times as well. I remember we were very small, and I remember, you know, at times it did feel a little bit, like, demoralizing, I guess. But at the same time, we had some brilliant conversations with people from all over the world. It was a very diverse university. Some students coming from China never even heard of Jesus. You know, so we had a proper opportunity to share the gospel in a global sense, and that excited me, and definitely I look back about as a really significant three years we take it for granted and just assume that everybody's heard of jesus you know that, that's a yeah. basic thing exactly exactly it was almost almost shocking to to realize that people coming who'd, who'd never heard of jesus who never had this kind of understanding of, of even the, the kind of bible stories that we regard as famous yeah it was a privilege to be able to have some of these conversations and we ran events we, we called them like uh, lunch bars, which was essentially we provided a sandwich and we'd have a talk on uh, if there's a God, why is there suffering in the world or can you be good without God and things like this. I remember I was I was once asked to do one on the resurrection, which is probably the most scared I've ever been to, to give a talk in a university setting where there was a Q&A at the end. And, but, but actually all of that stuff in a way was helping prepare me for, for some of the stuff we do now with Equip. So the Lord had a plan a little yeah. How did you get from being a law student in London to moving to Belfast? <laughs> That's a good question. So, long story short, after I graduated from LSE, I actually worked for an organization called UCCF. It stands for Universities and Colleges Christian Fellowship. And they work with university Christian unions and support them and resource them and yeah, provide like training and, and that kind of thing. So I worked for them for a year and stayed on at my university. And I, I loved that. I got a real taste for what kind of full-time Christian ministry might look like. 
Um, so I do one-to-one Bible studies with some of the students, with some of the male students, and try and read the gospel of Luke or John with non-Christian students as well in a, in a kind of a one-to-one setting, which was so cool that that was my, my job to do that. But I decided it would be a good idea. I always had this idea that like ministry would be something I'd like to go into. But I sort of felt, and, and having spoken to some older wiser people, it would be a good idea to go into, if you like, the secular workplace. I, I don't necessarily see that, that sacred secular divide in that way, but to go into a non-full-time ministry role for a period. So I had that in my head, and I thought um, it would also be good to do some some further study before doing that. So that's when I applied to Queen's University, okay. um, came over to Queen's to do a master's, in a course called Violence, Terrorism, and Security, which sounds kind of odd, but I had a, I had quite an interest in kind of criminal law. I had kind of an interest in geopolitics. So I thought that would be interesting with a view to going into some kind of security consulting or, or something along those lines. Uh, so I came to Queen's, uh, did that for a year, uh, ended up working for PwC, an accounting firm, uh, for a couple of years after that. And during that period was when I met my now wife Rachel and that's how I ended up back living in Northern Ireland permanently because Rachel was studying at Queen's and we wanted to get married and, and that meant that we, we were going to move it. You were going along to Crescent Church in Belfast as a couple I imagine. That's right. And then you end up working for the church which is not how you probably intended to start your career. It's funny because while I was over doing a master's at Queen's a role at Crescent, a full-time role, came up in discussion. And at that time, I very much had in my head, no, like, it's important that I go and work in, in kind of a, a non-ministry role for a period. So I sort of, I said no, and I said, you know, that's that's not something that, that I'm going to do at the moment. But I didn't want to shut the door in, entirely, because as I said, like, ministry was always has always been something that I'm uh, interested in doing full-time. So two years later, my uh, circumstances had, had changed, like, we were engaged i was going to be living back in belfast and to be honest i i'd really not been enjoying working for a big accounting firm and it, it had not it had not been what i'd hoped it would be and also i just had this constant sense of i'd love to be doing ministry i'd love to be doing something that I feel is is having having more of an impact than the work i'm doing and around that time i reached out to jim actually and i said you know is there still that role like president are you still looking for someone to fill up and he said we can have a conversation about that, and we did, and one thing led to another, and I ended up being employed by church as their youth and young adults worker, which is what I am still doing today. So, so you've mentioned Jim. We'll have to come on to Jim. I described him in a WhatsApp as the man, the myth, the legend, and <laughs> whoever I've speak to about your podcast, he is the person who is just loved by everyone. Doesn't matter what age they are, they just have such a respect for him. What is it about Jim that helps him to just transcend the age gaps? That is a very good question, actually. And to be honest, I haven't thought too much about that. It's really interesting you ask that. So just to give some context for our relationship, I so I came to Crescent when I was doing my master's at Queen's, and that was how I got to know Jim initially, so as a student uh, here in Belfast. So I knew him in the context of me being a student, him being an elder at the church I was going to. So I would meet up with him for, for discussions, um, like a kind of one-to-one discipleship type thing. Um, I would hear him preach from the front, and I found his preaching you know, very, very powerful, very influential, and very helpful in terms of my own faith. So there, there was actually a 
physical event called Equip during my time at Queen's on a Monday night after Christian Union, and Jim spoke at it every week. So I'd go along to that at present, and I'd sit and I'd listen to some of the things that we talk about on the podcast now. I'd listen to Jim talk about them from the front, and then there'd be a Q&A afterwards. So that was my initial experience of Equip, and, and Jim was actually attending these talks myself as a student. In fact, the first time I ever encountered my wife was at Equip. <laughs> so um, I've got a lot to, to thank Jim for. The fact that I'm, yeah, the, that I'm even married is, is partly to do with Equip. Your question is really, why is Jim so good at bridging that gap? Well, I think part of it is he listens really well to students. He's been involved in in student ministry for many years now. He's been involved in lots of conversations with students. He understands what's going on on university campuses. He also reads very widely, so he understands like our cultural moment very well. Um, he, he he's always on top of kind of the news and what's going on in the world both on a kind of a pop level, but also reads deeper. So I think having that kind of understanding of what's going on in the world and also listening to students directly, having conversations with them in a one-to-one capacity in in a group setting has meant that he's really tuned in with what's going on. And then he's also got a gift that the Lord has blessed him with in that he's able to study and teach the Bible very faithfully and well and actually when he does that, when he's teaching the Bible, he applies it very well to our kind of cultural moment and context. I don't know if that helps, but those are some of the things that I would say have been significant in him bridging that gap, if you like. Yeah, well, one thing I would add, actually, because I think this is significant, is he has a real, like, pastor's heart as, as well. So you'll hear the way he addresses the concerns of students. There's a, there's a, there's a genuine love and warmth for them. And so that compassion... I think is significant uh, and the genuine love he has for young adults. I think that comes through in the way he talks and he doesn't talk down to students. He talks as a, as a loving pastor, as a, as a sort of a father figure. So I think that's significant as well. We'll come on to some of the episodes later on, but I think one of the things that's obvious to the listeners when Jim is answering the difficult questions is he has a real, as you said, pastor's heart. He's a real concern. It's not a belittling thing. In some of the episodes, very difficult subjects to deal with, and yet he does it lovingly. And I think that First Corinthians 13, we can do a lot of things that are good, but if they're done without love, they're not always helpful. And I think he's able to teach in a loving way, and I think that comes across. I'm so glad that that does come across, Dan, and I think that is very true. I've seen that in my own personal experience and my interaction with him, like a real heart of concern for me, which is brilliant. Also... The camaraderie and the chemistry you two have is very obvious. You can almost hear Jim's eye rolls when you make a comment and he kind of, he laughs them off and he's like, very good. <laughs> this It's a real fun listen. You mentioned about how his uh, capacity to be able to bridge the gap. But even for you two to be able to do a podcast and be a different part of the Christian journey, and yet it, it's a really good chemistry between you. Yeah, it's it is like Rachel. Rachel's my wife. She makes the point that if we were the same age, we kind of probably would have like hung out together or whatever, which I find kind of funny. I mean, we still do hang out a bit, but like obviously a slightly different context. We do click. I think we kind of understand. We're actually very different personalities, but we understand one another fairly well. I think we've had, yeah, we've had quite a lot of 
fairly deep conversations about things. And we've obviously, I think even just working together on something that builds a sense of camaraderie. We definitely have a shared vision. You know, we both have a real love and concern for young adults and a longing to help them navigate this kind of crazy world and faithfully handle scripture. So I think there's there's kind of shared aims and ambitions and like probably we have a we find similar things funny as well. I find Jim very funny. Uh, he's got like a very good sense of humor. So we're both very interested in politics as well. So you know Jim um, yeah follows politics in America quite closely. I do the same. So we have lots to talk about as well and then obviously most fundamentally like you know the Lord and Christian things like we love to speak about those and discuss them and yeah so I think all those things come together and, and actually then when it when we come to do a podcast together we don't really we don't have to force that relationship because it it already exists it's, it's genuine and we enjoy hanging out and chatting about these things and actually then when the podcast ends I turn record off we still talk about them afterwards yeah. um, and I'll ask the questions that I'm really confused about still <laughs> If all else fails, just get another analogy from Jim. He loves his analogies and they're always excellent. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Some of them make me laugh quite a lot. Yeah, he's got some uh, some pretty random, some pretty out there analogies, but they, uh, they're very helpful. On the 1st of November in 2019, you release the first of three episodes to do with the Bible and its inspiration. So how did the podcast itself come about? It does feel like a long time. Yeah, so how did it come about? So I joined Crescent as the youth and young adults worker just after we got married uh, around September 2019. And around that time, this physical equip event that I'd been talking about was kind of coming to an end, was being wrapped up. The Christian Union at Queens were going to do their own thing, sort of more in-house. And Jim and I had a discussion where he brought up the possibility of doing equip as a podcast. And I thought well, that would be a great idea because I love listening to Jim at Equip. I want to get his content out there to, to more and more people. Uh, even my own family in England, I wanted them to listen to it. So just because I I found it so helpful, I was like, this would be great to, to push out more broadly. So he mentioned, he said, Ollie, you should look into podcasting and look up the equipment and look up how to edit and all this stuff. And I was I was pretty nervous, to be honest, because... I had no idea how to do any of this stuff, how to edit a podcast. Like, I didn't even listen to podcasts. I didn't think I'd... I'm not even sure I'd ever listen to a podcast, I have to be honest, like maybe once. So I started, like, trying to listen to some podcasts and just trying trying to get a bit more of an understanding of what this is about, what this would involve. And then, yeah, we did our very first one. (laughs) When I listen to it back now, you can probably... You don't, if you don't sort of know us and things, it probably doesn't sound like this, but it, it definitely felt quite awkward at first. It just felt kind of unnatural and like a bit clunky and sitting in a room, just the two of you. And it just felt very strange, very surreal. But we did it. And I think actually some of the early ones we recorded twice because we, we weren't like comfortable with how they'd gone or whatever. And then gradually over time, we just kept doing an episode a week and often covering topics that Jim had already spoken about. Uh, in CEs and we ended up just continuing and I think we got something like 30 plus episodes and we saw that people were beginning to to, to engage and, and connect and are we getting the odd message and things and that that encouraged us that, that this was helping people and the Lord was using it and so we, we've continued ever since we, we started to do it seasonally uh, so we take take a kind of a break of a month or two and then we come back with a season of five to ten episodes and 
that just makes it a bit more manageable and we're trying to give each season then a, a bit of a theme and sort of package it a bit for people but the Lord's been so good I think like to be honest Dan, like, above anything that's what I have to say it's like the Lord it's the Lord's work the Lord has um, you know enabled us to do this has given us the resources to do this um, and yeah has, has, has kind of taken our kind of frail efforts and has, has used them for, for his glory to, to bless and help people so ultimately you know all the glory must must go to him if any of my listeners haven't listened to the equip project podcast these are not just your standard christian subjects in the first season alone you deal with the idea of suffering which you know comes up in in lots of scenarios but search for identity and uh, does religion poison everything doubt is god a moral monster uh, faith versus fact or christianity and science compatible that's just four or five from series one these are these are some interesting subjects have you had much in the way of feedback from non-christians about the the subjects you covered in terms of negative feedback we've had very little either from christians or non-christians um there's been the odds thing here or there i remember one time on on the islam episode we had had someone uh, a non-christians who, who felt that we shouldn't be talking about other religions when you know, we maybe don't have a full understanding of them or you know when there's not a a muslim on the podcast to, to to defend their position so the odd little thing like that but yeah that may have been like when we raised islam within an episode i can't even remember but but like so so minimal that it, it's not been at all we, we've not we've not struggled with with kind of a a backlash to some of the episodes, which we're really grateful for, because I'm aware that some of the things we say are, in our day and age, like very controversial. We try and say them in love, and we try and say whatever we say very carefully. So Jim is very precise in the language he uses. Yeah, we, we're you know everything we say is is very thought through. We very rarely go off script on on the kind of substantive elements of the podcast and and that's really important just because the issues we're talking about are significant and uh, our goal is like we're not setting out to try and cause contention our goal is to help primarily young christians wrestle with these things think about them and talk about them in a way that is reasonable and that wins people over you know so that people can see the reasonableness of what we believe and ultimately help young christians speak to their non-christian friends in a way that's compelling and draws them to Christ. Yeah, but but we, we, we also don't want to shy away from, from difficult topics. Like that's, I guess, the point of the podcast is we want to deal with the tough stuff. And sometimes before we record, I feel very nervous, I have to be honest. Some of the episodes that go out, I'm like, uh, I, you just feel a sense of anxiety before you, <laughs> before you put it out because you're like, I know some of the things that are said here are hard and people will disagree with but uh, yeah. I just want to give the listeners some of the other subjects that do come up. This is not an exhaustive list. In in two years, you've managed to put out 66 episodes. I don't know if you're aware that it was that high, but there's a lot. That is quite a few. So you've got, uh, has COVID killed the church? Uh, hashtag deconversion, the future of evangelicalism, choosing to die, the rise of self, social justice, there's the language of woke, Islam, as you mentioned, conversion therapy, education or indoctrination. There's just a handful again. 
as you said, the difficult subjects to talk about. There are also difficult things to listen to because the world is is wanting to portray its own viewpoint and trying to influence Christians. And I know the the reasoning behind the podcast was to try and be a support for students and young you know young Christians. Do you find that in the world today? there's more pressure than when we were at university for students? That's a good question. I mean, I, yeah, my, my natural reaction is to say yes. I think I think that the big challenge for, for Christians now who want to be faithful to God's word in a university or even, even a school context is that the things that we believe are regarded as not only kind of intolerant or, or, or backward but actually harmful mm. you know, so, so if, if a Christian adheres to a biblical worldview they're regarded actually as, as causing others harm and I think that's very difficult for Christians to take when you grow up in a Christian family you're, you're encouraged to love those around you you're encouraged to, you know, to be kind to those around you at school and to be told actually that because you believe what you believe you're harming people, you're damaging people. That's tough to take. And I think, yeah, for many Christians, and and like for for me, that's one of the hardest aspects of the kind of world we live in at the moment is to be told that that what we believe is actually damaging because we believe the opposite, right? We believe that it is life enhancing. We believe that God's truth enables us to flourish. So I think that that's very difficult. And then obviously you have the whole side of things in terms of no platforming and certain views being kind of pushed to one side and not being allowed, you know, and obviously kind of stuff like mockery and, and those kind of things. But I think a lot of a lot of the kind of mocking and, and scorn has always has always been um I guess the, the big kind of sea change I see it, I see is is this idea that actually the things that we believe make us hateful, harmful bigots, which is is tough to take. Some of the, the episodes that have helped me the most are the one about doubt. The one about the one about can we know God and the idea that as Christians we feel as though we are defending the Bible, we are defending a biblical worldview up against the world in which we we're in. But sometimes we can be trying to get the intellectual things right and miss out on the important thing from a personal point of view, which is that relationship. The fact Jim makes it so eloquently that we can have a relationship with the God of heaven, and that is a tangible, physical powerful relationship with our creator and that's not to be missed yeah absolutely and i think that's one of the that's one of the key you know one one of the key things about what we're doing is we don't want to be developing people who are very good at arguing (laughs) you know we want we want to be we want this podcast to be helping develop young christians who love their heavenly father deeply delight in their relationship with their father uh, and so that has to be primary that has to be front and center so the most recent series is on the the history of the church and is a, a five-part series from pentecost the start of the, the early church right through to 2000 and where we are today there are a lot of things that came out within the series that are very difficult to digest and to take on board as the role of the church in history how difficult was it to research and, and try to just put everything in its right place? 
Yeah, I have to have to be totally honest with you, Dan. Like the, the content of, of of all the episodes is is gym. You know, well, I, like occasionally I have I have some input um, in terms of the content, um, but quite, even even the questions and and content like gym is the brains behind that. And uh, where, certainly when it came to church history, I didn't have a clue where to begin. Even um, you know, so so the fact that. Uh, I, I, I was pushing to do a series on church history. I was very keen. I, I felt, and I do still feel, it's really important for us as Christians to know our history, to know, um, you know, how we ended up where we are now as a church. Um, and I partly was pushing for that because I didn't really know very well. I had some bits of un- ideas and understanding, but I didn't know the, the full picture very well. So. I know Jim is very good at taking a lot of knowledge and distilling it down and making it accessible. So thankfully, I won him over, and he must have read, goodness knows how many books he read. He must have read a, a ton of books. Um, and he came back to me. I thought it was going to be one or two parts, and he was like, we're going to do a five-part series. <laughs> and uh, I was really excited, and, and uh, then I got the first script through, and I started to see, like, this is, like, these are going to be long, like, some of those episodes were seriously long. So then I became a little bit less enthusiastic because I had to edit them. <laughs> but no, it was so cool. Like just the amount of work he put in to studying and researching these things. And I'd get messages over WhatsApp of this interesting quote he found or story from the Middle Ages. You know, he, he did a really good job of yeah, distilling down thousands of years into just five episodes. I mean, obviously it's quite a kind of a broad sweep and there's a lot we can't cover. But hopefully throughout it, we're making an argument which encourages and strengthens the, the faith of young Christians and they can see that God has been working, like the miracle of, of the church, how God has been working through history to preserve this church. And um, yeah, that I think is incredibly exciting to see. Uh, despite all the failures, despite all the kind of grim stuff that went on, the Lord has preserved his, his church and his people uh, throughout all of that. So yeah, it was an amazing series, hard at times. Like some of the episodes were very difficult, um, you know, to, to even just listen to because some of the stuff is, is grim and some of the things that have gone on is, is horrible. But um, yeah, at the same time, like, you know, there, there's so much to be uh, thankful for. And I think when you tie it in with the episode on the future of evangelicalism, it's a good reminder that even though there can be difficult times for the church, that God is still in control. It's still his church, you know, Christ is still the head and ultimately his purpose and his desires will come to fruition. Absolutely. And, and, and so often the, well, always when things went wrong, it was because people were not being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people were hungry for power. Um, you know, often that was when, when trouble arose. Uh, or they misunderstood or, or misinterpreted scripture. Um, and that's generally when you know, things went wrong. When people remain true to the Lord Jesus Christ, true to, to God's word, actually that's you know, when, when the church looked like it should look. It looked beautiful, it reflected uh, Christ well. Um, so I think actually when you look through church history and um, you see it again, you see it, you see it today, you know, people point to Christians and they say, oh, look at, look at Christians, you know, look how bad they are, look how flawed they are, look at the Crusades. Um, I think, you know, my response now is more like, well, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, you're totally right. This, this is evil. This is wrong. This is wicked. But those people aren't 
being faithful in representing Christ well. Um, you know, that, that is not what Jesus looks like. And you see throughout church history, people misrepresenting who Christ is. So I think whenever someone challenges that or, you know, calls Christians out for that, it's so important to be clear, well, actually, that isn't who Jesus is. To use a, a gym illustration, not that it would be anyway as good as gyms, because not about cake. Um, <laughs> I remember having a conversation with a barber one day and she said, you know, there was some Christian who had obviously caused some offence to her and she was very down on Christianity as a whole. And I said, well, if, if there was a barber who committed a murder, would you want me to assume that all barbers are murderers? And she's like, well, well, no. And I said, well, by the same token, not all Christians live the life that, you know, reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, you've got to bear in mind that, you know, we are all trying to do our best, but we're imperfect people saved by grace. And I think to try and remind people that Christians are not perfect, they don't claim to be perfect. We are saved by a perfect saviour and it's based upon his righteousness that we stand. Yeah, I think I think that's so helpful, Dan. And, and like the truth is, like a lot of people have been hurt by genuine Christians. Um, and that's, that's, that's sad, that's wrong. And I'm, I'm sure I've, I've hurt and offended people in the past. And, you know, I guess the, the challenge for us as Christians as well is like, let's, let's strive to, 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 to live more closely um, to, to, to what Christ is like. Let's, uh, let, let's be more Christ-like in our behavior. Um, but, but ultimately when, yeah, when people have been hurt, we need to also be compassionate and loving towards them and acknowledge, yeah, like, that, that was a genuine hurt and a genuine wrong, a genuine evil that was done against you. And it's not what the Lord Jesus is like. It's not what he would have wanted. Um, and just to be totally, totally honest and transparent with them. Yeah. So moving forward, have you any plans, without giving any spoiler alerts away, have you uh, any plans for the next series that you can share with us? So we have... Um, we have a recording tomorrow, actually, okay. uh, for, our, for our next our next series. And uh, in terms of a little sneak peek, it's going to be focused on, on on a healthy mind. How can we have a healthy mind as Christians? And, and part of we've been discussing kind of students and, and young adults. And one of the big challenges for students and young adults at the moment is like a, a mental health crisis. Really, a lot of young people are battling things like anxiety and, and depression and eating disorders and, and various different things. How can God's word help us with these things? You know, can it help us with these things? So that's really what we're going to be looking at. We're going to try and it, it'll probably be five or six episodes, maybe maybe just five. And it'll be, obviously, we've just had the church history uh, podcast, which was a, kind of very, in some ways, quite academic, quite intellectual. This will be much more pastoral. And I think that's pro it's probably a good time to, to do something like that. So we've had quite a heavy uh, previous series. So, yeah, this will be very pastoral and, and hopefully helpful for the students, particularly those who've maybe just started back at university and are, are struggling with, with life. For the last year or two, a lot of students haven't left home. They've been doing the studies online. So to actually go and move away from home, move away from the churches they used to, it's all new. Yeah, you're so right. I think COVID has exacerbated the... The mental health crisis, I mean, I was reading some crazy stats about, you know, the number of children who are being being referred to kind of mental health services, and it's really sad. And even just anecdotally, like, I know a lot of people who struggle with these things, and it's so important that we are addressing this topic. I mean, we have touched on it before in certain episodes. 
we had an episode a while ago around the start of COVID called Peace in the Panic, I think. Yeah. Um, and we had one quite focused on, on depression. I saw those ones on the list. Yeah, yeah. So we have we have addressed these some of these things before, but this will be a slightly different approach in that it's more about that rather than addressing depression specifically in an episode, it's more about foundations or the framework for a healthy mind. What are the the things that we can we can develop in our minds or allow the Lord to develop in our, our minds and personalities that would almost like fortify us, that strengthen us in, in the face of challenges that enable our, our minds to be to be stronger and more healthy. So it's a it's a slightly different approach and, and hopefully will be will be useful. Uh, it'll be a bit more punchy as well than the church history series in terms of length. We probably won't have sort of massively long episodes, but uh, it sounds very practical anyway. I hope so, God willing, and uh, I hope it'll be used to, yeah, to help, particularly those who are suffering and, and struggling. Um, I think yeah, there's a lot of people who are maybe suffer in silence with these things, so hopefully it'll, it'll be a blessing to them. Yeah, and my last question is always the same. However, I did already mention it to you about two hours before we recorded, so apologies for that. Usually I always ask if there's a particular verse or, or collection of verses that have been a help uh, at some stage in your Christian life, whether that's to challenge or to guide or to give some some encouragement, is there anything that came to mind in that short period of time I give you? No, it's a, it's a great question. Dan. actually, like two two sections came to mind, but I'll just give you I'll just give you the one the one verse, and it's Isaiah forty one ten. Uh, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I would say in the last kind of five years, that verse has been particularly precious to me. Um, you know, I, I think probably as life has changed and I've experienced moving about the place and had a few you know, struggles along the way, that verse is, is a verse that I've kept coming back to. And just the, the fact that the Lord, the Lord is with me, His presence is with me. And that is the the best antidote to fear, especially in the face of an un, unknown future. And I love that picture it paints of um, the Lord upholding uh, you with his righteous right hand, strengthening you. And to be honest, it probably <laughs> didn't do this intentionally, but it probably does link in quite well with with the, the kind of new series of, of podcasts as well. Um, the idea of the Lord strengthening us and, and fortifying us and upholding us so that we, we don't need to fear. So that's been a, a blessing to me. And the Lord, I, I found, has it brought that to mind or has put it in front of me in a, in a daily reading or it just somehow so many times over the past three to five years. It feels like it hasn't been coincidental. So I've, I've been greatly encouraged by that. And I'm, I'm very thankful for his kindness in, in reinforcing this verse to me. Well, thank you very much for coming on Testimony Podcast. We look forward to the next series and thank you for all your hard work that you and Jim put in. Thanks so much, Dan, and, and thank you for your encouragement. being so encouraging to me with regards to this podcast. So thanks for, for that. The Lord has used you to, to build us up and to help us keep going. So um, a little blessing for that and, and bless your work in this podcast as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Testimony. If you have any suggestions as to who would make a good interview, then please get in touch at testimonypodcast at outlook.com 
or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.